You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark King, for this show, this Friday edition of the podcast. We're now well into all-star break. It's going to be a short uh, show today, uh, shorter than normal. Got a great guest for you guys today. Sean Coleman, senior writer of Grizzly Bear Blues, is going to join me. Um, that's pretty much going to be the show today. Sean also fills in for me when I'm gone as my guest host for this very podcast. So I know you guys will enjoy the conversation. Uh, again, that that's going to be pretty much our uh, podcast for today. We'll regroup on Monday. Uh, next week's shows will look probably uh, similar. We're probably going to try to book some guests uh, to fill in the week next week since there will be no action going down from uh, the actual games because the Grizzlies will be uh, the Grizzlies will be off for All Star break. They won't they come back and start uh, playing again on Friday against the Clippers at home. Uh, and so there won't be a whole lot for us to talk about next week. So uh, we'll come back with a Monday mailbag show on Monday. Uh, but next week's episodes will look fairly similar uh, as, as like this. We're going to try to, I'll try to book a lot of guests as and still have the show. So we'll probably just try to get uh, different guests throughout the week to get everybody's opinions on the, on the, where the team stands and just got everybody's uh, ideas and thoughts about this, the state of the Grizzlies as a whole. And so hopefully you guys will enjoy those conversations with different people, uh, different media members that cover the league. I'm trying to hopefully get a few national guys to get some different perspective about the Grizzlies going in uh, to the second, I guess the uh, last push of the season. So hopefully you guys enjoy the conversation with Sean today. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Locked on Grizz. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at King underscore producer. That's where we'll continue the conversation after the show. So uh, coming up next, enjoy this conversation with myself and Sean Coleman. Welcome back to the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast. A great guest for you guys again today, Sean Coleman, writer at Grizzly Bear Blues of me. What's going on, man? Not much at all, dude. Uh, happy Valentine's Day to you and the listeners and everybody. And uh, uh, it's nice to finally get a little bit of a break from things. <laughs> yeah, as we like you said, as we record this on Valentine's Day, because that is what we're doing with our Valentine's Day. Uh, but we're married, so it probably doesn't really matter as much for us as it does for other people. When you get married, our dinner was... Um, uh, dinner at Huey's and my wife and I both had three bourbons. So, you know, it is what it is at that point. You have three kids. So that that's how you cope at that point. But, but anyway, like you said, we do have a little bit of break. Uh, Grizzlies are, uh, Jaron Jackson's playing in the, uh, all-star rising star show. I don't know what's called anymore. I keep, I keep butchering. It's like USA versus world, whatever it is. That's, uh, that's Friday skills challenge on Saturday, but I do want to talk to you about just uh, the Grizzlies in general, uh, we haven't spoken in a while, and uh, you haven't been on the show in, in, in quite some time. But uh, I do want to get your thoughts on the new look of the Grizzlies, just in general. Uh, what were your thoughts on the trade deadline? What was it uh, was it a win for you? Was it a just mediocre? Was it a was it a loss? Where are you at on on the trades they made? Well, I, I think that what it comes down to is, at the end of the day, what the Grizzlies got was a dose of reality, and I think that what hurt the perce- the perspective, the perception of what they got was all this stuff in the media. You know, I, we, uh, I'm talking with Justin Lewis the other day. Um, we were talking about, you know, the deals that were in the public, none of them got done or the returns were disappointing. The best deals were the ones where you didn't hear much about them. And so that's, that's what it came down to. I think overall the Grizzlies, they got better actually on the floor. The, the, the returns that came in, if you took the roster before the trade deadline and you compare it to what we have now, we have a better roster, but 
I think that the one disappointing factor, to me, it's combining the Justin Holiday trade before the deadline with the Jamichael Green and Garrett Temple trade at the deadline. I mean, you're sitting here taking the opportunity to potentially get four or five future picks, even if um, most of them, to all of them are second rounders, to where now you have Avery Bradley and you have Justin Holiday. That's great for this year. But I just I really would have liked to have gotten some future picks. Uh, me and you have discussed it. I'm fine with the idea of conveying. I, I love the fact that we are all in on that idea. It makes sense. But you can mix and match. You can get players to help you do that, plus also get something for the future. And I wish there would have been more focus on the future than the players that we got back. Do you think that do you think it's possible uh, the Grizzlies can get the get this pick conveyed this year? I mean, they're sitting, I believe, at six right now uh, for the model. I haven't, looked, I haven't looked at Tankathon in quite a, quite a few days, but um, either way, they're not where they're supposed to be. They're not where they should be. Do you think it's possible they're, they're able to convey this pick uh, in the summer? Well, I had talked about it the earlier, earlier this year. You know, at some point in time, if the Grizzlies were going to, when they were going good for the playoffs, I think the last time me and you talked, I mentioned that if they went on a losing streak, which they obviously did more than anybody expected, they were going to have to play 500 ball at some point this year. And when the Grizzlies were back about a month and a half, two months ago, when their roster was where it was, play 500 ball just to be able to potentially be in the playoffs, I didn't think they could. Now we're talking about a completely different scenario. We're talking about playing 500 ball for the rest of the year to convey the pick. 33 wins to 35 wins is your goal. Yes, I definitely think that this team can do it. I believe we have the 24th, 25th, um, uh, hardest schedule. You know, we got a pretty easy schedule coming up. I really think that if the um, coaching staffs can get us back to playing good team defense where it can hide some of our flaws and we can create off the mistakes of playing good team defense, I think this team can play 500 ball. And I do legitimately think that we can, if we play that 500 ball, I think we can convey the pick. You mentioned the coaching staff and something that we we had talked about before in the last our before back in December, I believe is the last time we spoke uh, on this show. Um, seeing that what's all transpired since we talked last, are you where are you where do you land on the coach staff? Where are you at on JB right now? If I was Robert Para, I would have surprised Grizzly, Grizzlies Nation at twelve oh one a.m. January first. Uh, of 2019 with the news uh, media release, Bickerstaff fired, Stackhouse hired. That's what I would have done. And I, and I don't mean to be dramatic, but I mean to be straightforward. J.B. Bickerstaff should have been fired two months ago. I agree with the whole thing about the idea that you want continuity. You don't want that distraction on top of things. Here we go again, so on and so forth. But the one thing that Jerry Stackhouse offers that other coaches have not yeah, he's never been a head coach, but he's had experience. He has relatability with these players. You know, I wrote in an article for GBV that he was, he's led, you know, he has had head coaching experience before. He won the G League. I mean, and he did it with the Raptors um, group, and he was a part of the reason why they've been able to develop their players. He can develop players. Players rave about him with how he coaches them. They rave about the relationship with him. You want that player relationship, which JV obviously offers, but Stackhouse, I feel, can offer the ability to add value X's and O's wise, which JB cannot. So I legitimately would have fired Stackhouse, uh, or excuse me, JB two months ago, hired Stackhouse then. I think it's a perfect time to do it now. Give him a week to get incorporated with the team. But as far as this coaching staff goes, I would get rid of JB, 
let Stackhouse take over for the rest of the year, see if he can do an audition. Obviously, I mentioned, that's pro- right. I, I mentioned before, even on my show, that you really can't fire JV because of the optics, you know, because of what it just kind of what it looks like from outside in, and because you you just you just hired the guy. I mean, it 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 just looks bad. It's not like you said, the continuity thing is an issue. Um, but you know, if you do it right now, and what what's the worst that will happen? Well, it's you that you'll lose. I mean. You're already doing that. So do, do you think it matters if they – I mean, do you, ultimately, do you think it matters they wait now or till June? I mean, does, is, is two months or three months, whatever it is, really going to make a difference? Thanksgiving, the November 21st, the Grizzlies were at 12-5 and five coming off a victory against the San Antonio Spurs top of the West Coast. After Thanksgiving, the 29 games after Thanksgiving, Sheldon Mack averaged about 20 minutes a game, so on and so forth. In that 29-game span, the Grizzlies were outscored by 212 points when Shelvin Mack was on the court, yet he still consistently got playing time in the fourth quarter. The reason I bring that up is because that shows that, yeah, it's a bad look, but what's worse, making a change that could actually improve your team or sitting here going through two months of a coach consistently going to players that offer nothing but negative value? I think that the whole thing about it looking bad is overrated because you now have had more than enough time to see that it's not going to take much more to look better than what JB has put out on the court. He does not offer any value through X's and O's schematics and things like that. And the opinion that you consider the most or that Para has considered the most in the past in Mark Gasol, he's gone. So you don't have that validation for JB anymore so I think that yes you set that whole it looks bad thing to the side and actually make a positive um, change to where enough is enough we're going to try this guy out see if he can make it work and if he does well at least we have positive momentum if we want to hold him over to next season yeah I I think I'd probably agree with you on that I mean I, I was I have said for a long time that I think the optics is a big issue but like I just mentioned, it at this point, I don't know if it really matters at this point because like it, it, it you're losing either way. And like you said, they mentioned that stretch of like where they were like seven and twenty. I mean, it was like it was awful. It was like super, uh-huh. super bad. I mean, it was it was tank worthy. Uh, but at that point, you'd already won so many, it didn't really matter. Um, uh, you mentioned Marcus. Do you you do you where do you land on um, the idea of just trading Marcus? Was it was it the right time for him to go? It was. It was. It definitely was. And and a lot of people were. I, I am definitely in the on the boat that says no. When you trade these players, you don't do it for them. You don't do it as just straightforward. You don't do it for the best of them. You do it for the best of the organization. Right. But I'm very happy with how the trade worked out. He got to go to Toronto. He got to go to a city. I think Mark's going to be happy with. People right. are going to to enjoy him, and he's really going to help them win. And yes, I do think that it was a good thing for the Grizzlies as well because it gets you that step in the positive direction. You've got people who can help you now make your roster better to convey the pick, and you also get people back who potentially could stay around to help you stay competitive you know, beyond this year. Obviously, uh, Jonas Valanciunas has that player option to stay beyond this year till next year. It's a $17 million player option. Uh, DeLon Wright is a restricted free agent. A- Avery Bradley has a contract that can be, you know, it's a non-guaranteed, most of it's non-guaranteed. Uh, CJ Miles has a player option of, I think, eight or nine million. Uh, are any of these guys 
players that you think could be here long term or should be here long term? Um, I, I definitely do. Well, I, I think Joe Molinax, uh, actually, I know he's a regular guest on the show. I think he put it best. If you convey, you sell. If you convey, you sell. If you don't convey, you compete. And that's what I think as well. I think you automatically start the rebuild if you convey the pick this year, because then that just means that you're play, that you can rebuild for the right reasons of getting better draft picks. But regardless, I definitely would like to see Valanciunas and Delone Wright stay, and for two reasons. Number one, they make the roster deeper. You could take a few players, like for instance, you could take Ivan Rabb, put him on the bench. You could take Delone Wright, put him on the bench, and it just adds quality. Mike and Valanciunas can probably play 30 minutes if they're both with the team next year. But then you've got, um, or excuse me, Valanciunas and Conley can play 30 minutes next year. And then you've got Wright and Rab who can play 15 to 20 minutes each night. I think they deepen the roster, but also their potential trade chips as well. If if you want to keep them for next year, I definitely think that you know if you sign Wright to maybe a two or three year deal, things don't go well. You just are wanting to do a complete rebuild. You can trade him, but he's a versatile player. He can help you now because he's going into his prime. He's not going to cost much. So I think he can be there for when you want to be competitive again. Or you could trade right. him and get a decent return. And Valashunas, I would love to see – if he's playing like he is right now, if he plays like he did against the Spurs, I would love to see him stay even beyond next year. I think he's a great person to couple next to uh, Jaron Jackson going forward because Jaron Jackson can learn from him. Yeah, I mean, even in the game against the Bulls, I mean, Jonas was still good. Jonas was still good. I'd argue was probably too aggressive and probably had too much leash on his uh, his post ups and I mean they were strictly running offense offensive plays for Jonas at times getting the balls and spots. I mean I, I would argue that those those plays should be run for Jaron uh, and and not and not Jonas. I joked on on Twitter that the all the players or someone should have a conference to tell the new players that Jaron Jackson is really good at basketball just so they know <laughs> who to pass the ball to. Uh, but but what, what as far as Jaron is concerned, his development, uh, are you happy with where he's at? Do you think he should be doing more or less? And what, where do you, uh, where are you at with Jaron? And, and as far as how far he's come this year as a rookie, I love it, 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 when we looked at Jaron Jackson Jr. when he came into the league earlier this season. He is the thing, the weaknesses, or or the things that he needed to work on are clearly there. Those cons are there. But the reality right. of those cons being there, I think, are not as drastic as the improved offensive game we didn't realize was there. And so my point about Jaron Jackson Jr. really has nothing to do with Jaron at all. I'm very happy with the way that he's developed. He's got to learn to stay on the court. And the biggest the biggest thing takeaway, the biggest negative takeaway for me from Jaron is when those hands go up and he looks away, he shows some immaturity. He's 19. That'll stop in time. But for me, it's not the focus of Jaron to develop Jaron. It's it's not the focus on him. You've got to get somebody in here to be able to help him out. If I'm the Grizzlies this offseason, I am investing good money into one of the better post-up coaches in the league. Now, I don't have that name at the top of my head, but I get an assistant coach in here who is specifically in here to continue to develop Jaron's discipline. And that's another reason to keep Jonas around. I think he can do that. But I think that the Grizzlies, the best move they can make for Jaron is investing in the right on-the-court personnel and off-the-court personnel to help him develop 
and develop the roster around him to maximize his strengths. I mean, that's, that's, that's not something I've heard before. And I, I like the idea of it. Uh, you know, maybe throw some money at Kevin, or get Kevin Garnett, get him here full time. You know, uh, it would be, it would be definitely different for sure. I mean, interesting dynamic. Uh, that's for sure. I, I just, uh, last question, I'll get you out of here. Uh, Grizzlies end up not dealing Mike Conley at the trade deadline. Um, I think that, I think I said, we probably maybe even talked about this, that that was the best move. I think that was the best move they made, but uh, do you think it was right hanging on to Mike? And do you think they'll deal him in the offseason? I actually am on record of saying that I, I would have dealt him um, if the deal was right. And, and the reason why right. I think that's the case is because of two reasons. Number one, his injury history and the way that he's playing now, I think that he is at peak value right now for the way that he is playing. Plus, whoever deals him, whoever would have got him at the trade deadline now, they would have gotten three postseasons with him instead of just two. However, things change. Whenever you get more teams available in the summer who think they can compete, that can drive the price up. So at the end of the day, I don't think that the Grizzlies got a good enough offer, and I was okay with holding on to him. And let's be honest, watching him play, there's that comfort that's going to be hard to give up. I personally would have taken a good deal for him, like if we could have got Exum or if we could have gotten a first-round pick plus Kennard, probably would have looked at that. But at the end of the day, what I'm hoping for is that Indiana tries a bunch of things that they want to do. None of it works out. And they eventually realize that they don't want to extend Sabonis, Demonis Sabonis. We find a deal that allows for us to trade Conley for Sabonis. That, to me, would be the ultimate dream deal. I'd even throw a rab in on that. But, yes, I do think it would be best for the Grizzlies, especially if the pick conveys to trade Conley and get the best return they can. He's going to be the best access to assets that they have going forward. So I would trade Conley in the summer for a good deal. Sean, I appreciate it, man. Sean Coleman, writer at Grizzly Bear Blues, also new host of the 3 and D podcast. Uh, if you guys aren't, it's my old podcast that you are now taking the helm over and doing a great job with uh, you guys. And you and Justin Lewis are doing that show. Uh, if you guys aren't already subscribed to that show, find it in iTunes 3 and D. Uh, and also, if you're not already reading Sean's stuff on Grizzly Bear Blues, do that as well. Sean, I appreciate you joining me. We will not make it a, as long as a period of time until we talk again, for sure, man. Mike, my, my, wow, we were here talking about Mike only. Mark, always a pleasure, <laughs> bud. All right, I, man, I'll talk you. to you later. Have a good one, bud. Thanks again to Sean Coleman, senior writer of Grizzly Bear Blues, for joining me. He does a great job over there on the blog. His writing is really, really good. I hope you guys uh, go out and try to read his stuff. Uh, he also fills in for me on this show when I'm out and guest host uh, this very podcast. So I know you guys uh, probably enjoy him as a guest host as well. Uh, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Locked on Grizz. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at King underscore producer. Also, please go and make sure you subscribe in iTunes so you get automatic daily downloads. Uh, if you're not already subscribed, please do that. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast in iTunes. It really, really helps. So if you have just a few minutes, please go and do that. If you're not on iTunes, not an Apple guy, you could you or you can uh, you can go to Stitcher. Literally, the podcast is on every single platform. So wherever you get your podcast, it's available. Uh, if you want to be a feature sponsor on this show, make sure you email me lockdowngrizz at gmail.com. I'm pretty sure we can work something out. So give me an email. Let's talk about it. If you're still unsure where to get the podcast or where to go or any of that, just go to LockedOnGrizzlies.com.